everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Motorsport Republic, a podcast introducing current Moto3 rider Joel Kelso. Joel, thanks so much, mate. Welcome to the podcast. How are you enjoying your summer down in uh, Melbourne? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's good to be here back in Oz and uh, yeah, now down in Melbourne and just enjoying ourselves, taking some time off, which is which is always good. Obviously, we, we were flat out through the year, so to have some time off is always is a good thing and uh yeah catch up with the family all the friends and yeah i'm loving it at the moment so. so good man um congrats on a great season your last last third of the season was was phenomenal how do you think that came about do you think just confidence in the bike no injuries that sort of thing they last i think last uh what five rounds of the season of three top tens obviously that podium in australia uh just one with the bike yeah it's just one of the things like we stopped being injured as well which is super important like as in i didn't really think i was infecting me or anything like that but just riding with that uncomfortable you know thing feeling you know when you're riding knowing that when you crash you're gonna have you know more problems more issues so i think that also just helps when you just you had a peace of mind with your body and and feeling good with yourself again and then obviously you got to click with the bike obviously the podium in australia helped as well with the confidence and all that sort of stuff so yeah it just kind of just clicked on that second half of year from yeah, pretty much India onwards. We just, yeah, started feeling good. And then, yeah, the flow just came in. And, yeah, then we got a couple of top tens, the podium. And then just, yeah, followed up with more top tens, fighting in that front group for, for another podium. Yeah, also made me hungry for another podium. So then we'll, we'll chase that. So what was your pathway coming from... You were born in Darwin? Uh, born in Queensland. So... What was your pathway going to? Did you start in Australia racing bikes when you were early, and then going to Europe? What was the pathway into into motorbikes? Yeah, so I was born in Queensland. Um, grew up racing like flat track and dirt track with uh, Husqvarna, uh, a good friend of mine, Paul Feeney, that uh, yeah chucked us on the bike there, and we were racing for him for many many years, and then. Yeah, after being really, really successful at the flat track and dirt track scene, which was, yeah, really the pathway for my career that I knew I wanted to be a motorcycle racer and, and be the best that I can be. And then, uh, yeah, things happened and I ended up trying the road racing scene. I loved it and just clicked from there outwards and then, yeah, just took off. I mean, it's one of the things that you, you make it in a short uh, story, but and then there's so many years behind it, but it's... Uh, it was a long road to get where we are now, that's for sure. But, like, I mean, we, I posted a, a doco, actually, that I um, filmed when I was probably about 14 years old or 15. No, about 14 years old in um, in Melbourne when we were doing riding and stuff like that. They did a documentary on me. And it was super cool to see because, like, I was, like, a little, you know, tucker running around, just, like, yeah, living the dream. And they're filming it. And, like, on there it was like, oh, so where do you dream to be? I was like, oh, of course I dream to be, you know in the MotoGP paddock and, and winning races and getting podiums and be a world champion. And then I was looking at it, it came up on like a news feed and it was like six years ago or whatever it was. And um, and now to be actually in the paddock, getting a podium, okay, we haven't got the world championship just yet. We're trying to chase after that. But um, it's just cool to look back where you come from as well because, you know, sometimes you lose track of that. You think, gee whiz, you know, the hard days is is hard and they're long and like yeah when i got injured obviously it's it's crap like you just yeah you're suffering and and stuff like that but then when you look back at it and say you know i dreamt to be here even if i was injured i dreamt to be in this paddock even if i'm walking around on a crutch so i then 
you got to look back sometimes and, and look at where, how far you've come and, and what you actually wanted when you are a kid. And then you realize that you already got that. So you just got to live with the moment and actually enjoy the moment. And yeah, obviously now I try to set other goals, which is be a world champion and uh, yeah, step up to that MotoGP one day. So this year, going into 2024 to a new team, uh, BOA Motorsport, how did that come about? Uh, we spoke briefly before the podcast on it was uh, it was looking pretty pretty scarce for rides for this year, um, and was it something that obviously you were desperate to race race for one more year and 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 to get that to get that win and to get that um, you know to get that momentum to go to Moto Two Moto Three? How did that start with Boa Motorsport? Yeah, I mean this year has been difficult. We um. Yeah, like first it all started with injury because in, in the MotoGP paddock, you've got to get results in that first, I think, probably around eight races, uh, seven-day races. Otherwise, you find yourself outside the paddock. Uh, simple as that. They they have a deadline when you need to sign. And by that point, I only did one race in, in Portimao, which, okay, I got front row, so I had the pace. And then I finished, I think, like ninth or something like that, but I was like half a second from the first. Then with that accident, I missed... Two other rounds, came back and harassed me. I couldn't even play finish a race, so it wasn't technically there. So three rounds. Then uh, at the fifth round, we were out in France. I got a top 10 there, but we also were suffering so much from injury, which started to cause a problem with, uh, we had a lot of problem with like vibration chatter on the, on the front of the bike, but it was coming from the injury, not being able to use the body how I wanted to use it. And that caused just a lot, a lot of trouble and like, we were fast for a couple of laps, but we couldn't, you couldn't sustain that because like, you just weren't feeling comfortable. So you can't ride around 20 laps trying to beat people best in the world you know, with, without a good feeling. So, um, yeah, it was difficult. And then by then, we just, yeah, were looking for a ride. But there was nothing. There was already you know, talks going around, but I really haven't done anything, didn't results because I didn't ride a bike. And then... Um, yeah, well, just it was a really bad uh, managed situation. Also, uh, just I was too busy with the injury, and in hindsight, it's always great. But yeah, I should have been obviously more focused on on finding myself a ride. But I was really just focused on winning races and trying to do that. And uh, uh, that's what I put in place. But you can you can only learn from the future. And that's like yeah, now I'm gonna have things a bit more organised. Um, and just yeah. Be more prepared but yeah getting in that horrible situation where i had no ride until australian gp which is super super late um is a scary moment but yeah like you said it came about on the the oz gp weekend they they finally said okay let's let's get this closed up we want you on the team so it's uh it's really promising because not only is it a great team it's good to be like going to be a strong team me and my teammate i think can uh be really strong both of us are fast. Both of us got a podium this year. It's definitely a chance. And you know, when your your teammates going fast, you're going fast because normally you want to you want to beat him. So um, yeah, yeah. I think it's it worked out good in the end. Although yeah, it's it was a hard hard year. That's for sure. It was many times where I didn't think that we we're going to come out in the end of it, riding the next year in the World Championship paddock. Um, but yeah, so everything happens for a reason though. And then uh, the podium obviously helped as well. So just on that, like, how did you through that summer break? What was it like thinking about all that kind of stuff? Did it play on you more because you had that time off? 
and I guess moving on from that, kind of a bit of a silver lining being able to announce at your home race that you've still got to ride next year in front of the home crowd and everyone back behind you. Well, at the summer break, I didn't even know. At that point, I still, because like since injury, I got told that I'll stay in, uh, in the team and um, with you know, even better conditions and stuff like that because they've shown, they've seen my talent. And then uh, we didn't speak with other teams because of because of that, you know. So uh, then we, I thought I was set. And then we got to before the flyaways, which is the problem because once the flyaways begin, not everyone comes to them races. So you can't speak to the bosses saying, look, can you take me on? Give me a chance, you know, because a month before that, we'll speak and say, no, nah, sorry, mate, I'm already going to stay where I'm at. You know, I'm happy where I am. I'm happy with my crew. Um, you just need to work on a few things internally that would have made everything perfect and, and we would have continued and done results and, and fired for the championship, you know. Um, like, that was a goal. But in the end, yeah, like, it came out at the in Valencia. We obviously, we knew a little bit before, but the um, team was closing. But we didn't know that at that point. And, yeah, so it wasn't a stressful moment because I thought, okay, I'm staying in that team. I say with good conditions, so I was super happy. And then, um, yeah, everything unfolded. But... That's the motorbike world. Yeah, the MotoGP world's like this. You know, one, yeah, exactly. Super cutthroat. One minute you can be uh, the limelight and everyone loves you, and the one minute that uh, you can't be. So, it's it's a kind of potluck, and obviously you got to get results, and all depends on your results. But like, I mean, you get one result enough to two races. That that's forgotten about. So you got to you got to keep it up and keep pushing onwards. And and that's what we did when we found out we didn't have the ride. I just wanted to focus on getting my body back to full health. So I could ride without the problem with the, the vibration chatter because, like I said, that was coming from the injury. So I had nothing to lose. When I found out I had no ride, I thought, well, bugger, I'll get back to my own health and then I'll get some podiums to the end of the year and then we'll see. Maybe they'll call me up at the first round next year and say, oh, you know, we want you to step in and replace for the rest of the year. You know, like that was my thinking of it, you know. And that's what I did. I just focused on myself. You can see them on riding. I rode always alone out in track. Always in that side, that top 10 alone, which is incredible in Mario 3. And teams were saying that, but at the end, I wasn't getting it in the races because I just couldn't with the physical side. And then in India, I started to feel really good. We were doing really, really good. Uh, it buckered down with rain in qualifying. Didn't do a good qualifying, um, but we weren't really stressed because we had really good race pace and we were actually feeling good on the bike, fit again. And then I had a high side in like turn three or whatever. And, and it didn't injure me, but it put me back on the back foot. I was back in pain with that leg. Um, and and then it started again, but that only took like a week or two to recover. And by Japan, I was already back back into it. And then we started to get results. That's when it started the consistent top tens in the races. And, and you could see in the races, I was there fighting for a podium. I wasn't just sitting there, you know, yeah. twiddling my fingers, yeah. yeah. So just on that as well, you touched on sort of coming back from that injury. What's your training like? What's your preparation like and what's the coming back from injury what's your like rehab like i guess would be one of the bigger questions like personally i know it's, it's not easy but like you said you know having a higher side after coming back from an injury must must take a lot of like mental strength to sort of just look past it or build through it yeah exactly that it's like uh looking at hindsight i shouldn't have came back so early I shouldn't have came back in harass it was like two and a half weeks later after the broken leg I've had surgery and I'm back on a bike. Like, it's unbelievable how fast the turnaround was. And it was too early because it just didn't heal fast enough because, yeah, I was just too busy riding a bike and mucking around, you know. So we did really good recovery in them two weeks, but then, like, in two weeks, your bone don't even start to produce um, 
like the the bone marrow to start to heal your bone like it takes you know minimum three to four weeks to start that so i didn't even start to have any healing process really and uh that was that was probably the first mistake and after that i was racing in MotoGP, you ride every weekend so it, it didn't matter what i did i couldn't i couldn't really do anything else I was obviously at the clinic mobile which is a MotoGP physios every day every session that's the other thing like as in not only about the injury i'm spending you know five five hours a day at the clinic and trying to ride a motorbike like i'd rather be you know chilled out with the team looking over data how i can go faster what i'm doing wrong you know what what can we work on with the bike but i couldn't i had to be at the clinic doing treatment on my foot because that was the biggest issue so there was just heaps of issues in inside and i had to pick which one was going to be more important and at that point was the injury but it just put us on the back foot all year honestly mate and and until uh yeah just before australia in japan thailand i felt i felt great which was good and, and we showed we had the speed from then on outwards so what what we want to ask as well is again just sort of more on that mental side you've changed three teams in the space of three four years what's that that's like you just touched on it a bit earlier but that must really weigh on you when like you said you're not sure what's going to happen what am i going to do next like What's that thought process? And then what are you thinking is your next move on the off chance that nothing comes up? Yeah, I mean, it's never the best situation. I don't like to move teams. Like, I prefer to, to try to stay and work with the same crew. Like I said, that was the plan. But, you know, things don't go to plan, especially not in the motorbike world. So you just go do what you got in front of you. And uh, like I said, I'm super happy to join Bowie Motorsport. But the thing is, like, I mean, I didn't want to change because I don't want more changes. I want to be consistent and the plan was to fight for championship uh don't get me wrong i think definitely i can do that in bowie and i think well we will we've got everything set up in a good place now we've got good training set up that we're starting to get into in a week's time so uh we'll head back over and get into that i think that will really really help and um yeah at the moment we just gotta look at what the future holds where i think now i'm going to focus more on just the race per race Get, get them podiums and, and let the results do the talking and pretty much that's my goal at this point. That's awesome, man. We're, we're going to be rooting for you uh, this year. It's going to be... Um, it's going to add another element to watching the, the races. So we're excited. What is a, like a typical race weekend for you? Are you getting to the track on a Wednesday or a Thursday? You're doing a walk of the track. Just talk us through a whole weekend if you can. Yeah, so all different. Obviously, the flyaway races, we get there probably on a Tuesday. <clears throat> then we uh, muck around, go look around the sites, you know, roll buggies or whatever you do kind of thing. <laughs> Depends where you are. Uh, or even take scooters. I believe in Indonesia, we took scooters and did like super enduro on the scooters. That was good fun. But yeah, so just muck around really. And then Wednesday, get to the track, do maybe a walk of the track. Uh, Thursday, go there and do the setup and planning of the weekend. You know what our strategy is going to be what the goal can be um and then obviously go from there and then you obviously got to change your goal and all that sort of stuff but you got to have your planning in place um just communicate with all the boys know what the tire planning is and then yeah obviously the rest of the weekend is is physio at the clinic uh mobile which is the MotoGP physios and then yeah ride ride motorbikes all this year was massive because in the factory team which is great is um yeah there's a lot a lot of media a lot a lot of commitments we have we got to you know do the signings you got to do the interviews you got to do the 
you know, there's so much stuff behind the scenes. You're going to meet with the sponsors. A team doesn't just have one sponsor. They have many, many sponsors that you need to to inform about your season um, as it is. And so you got that. Also, probably like in the flyaway race, a lot of my sponsors come, which is really, really nice. Uh, they fly across from Australia or or even some from Europe come across to, to the international races and get to yeah watch me race. And I yeah, kind of show them around and uh, get to enjoy with them. But that's really the race weekend. It's a lot of off-track the motorbike stuff that you don't see as well. Like this, there's a lot of time that we kill doing just other activities outside of motorbike. Yeah, it was interesting seeing you in the paddock this year at <laughs> Phillip Island. You were just getting pulled from, pulled from pillar to post. Like, And it's what people don't understand is you're... You have to mentally prepare yourself to ride these machines around these tracks and still deal with all the other crap that goes on. So it's pretty crazy. Then you've got injuries and you've got all the other things that go with it. Um, what was Phillip Island like? Probably from our point of view, the conditions obviously was 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 scary. And I think, I mean, your first podium in that, in that, in that with, with that weather must have been an absolute joy. Yeah, well, I was shitting myself before the race, honestly. I was because I, I'm horrible in the wet normally. Like, as in, normally, okay, I can be like inside that top 15. That's quite comfortable. But, um, like, I definitely didn't think podium, you know, like, I mean, I didn't have, like, in the warm up, I think I was like P20 or something, you know, like, I mean, the wet, like, I wasn't, I, I don't know, like, it's just the wet, I can do it, but like, depends the, the track also, if it has a lot of grip and all that sort of stuff. But, well, get back to the first question that, yeah, the Oz GP is always super busy. Of course, your home GP, but honestly, I love it because it's yeah. it's a home crowd. It's Aussie fans, like, supporting you. Yeah, like, there's nothing better than being with the family, with the fans. Like, I love it. You know, it's good. And um, and then, yeah, with the wear, like, yeah, the, the start of the race, I thought, well, I can only do what I can do. I said to my, my mate that's helping me out and travels around with me, I said, look, uh, my goal is just I'm just going to follow the person in front of me, which is uh, Suzaki at the time because I started P2 front row and um and that was the plan i was like it's all my it's all i'm gonna do you know if i crash i crash I got the home crowd here like at least i give it a crack you know I, I can't just sit around telling my fingers you know so and that's what i did i just followed him and then whoever was in front tried to follow them and then yeah the race was hectic they go so so wet but it was so windy as well so so windy so you're just counteracting the wind a lot and um and just trying to stay on the bloody bike honestly and and that was the biggest mission, I think. Well, as you've seen, there was over the race, it was probably like I didn't see it because really only one person crashed in front of me, which was also good. I didn't get a podium just because people crashed. Yeah, you know? right. I, I got a podium because I was there. You know what I mean? So um, that's also awesome. But yeah, there was so many crashes that race. So it was just about staying on the bloody bike. Like, I mean, it's, it's it was so hard, especially like it was so cold at Philippine, as you know, like in that photo example. That you said, as you said, that I look scared, but honestly, I was freezing. I was freezing. I'm from Darwin, North Territory. I'm not. I'm not used to this Melbourne weather, you know. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm a typical um, hot-blooded uh, man myself, and I never ever get cold. All right, I was fucking freezing that day. I think I had the three layers on. Yeah, oh, yeah. I looked like the size of a fucking fridge because I had fucking seventeen layers. But um, oh, I was just—it was—it was funny, and um, and you were good to take a photo with us and uh, and stuff. And now you're in in the studio, so man, so exciting. Do you do you have any friends in the paddock, or is it sort of just fend for yourself out there? I think a lot of us viewing it, it just seems like everyone is all friends and goody goody. But yeah. is there real is there real some in in like 
like I suppose rivalries between the Australian boys, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're we're mates, but we don't like hang out. But you say hello, and oh, you have mates. I definitely like my teammate Chavi. We're really good friends with. Like, he's just a good bloke. So, like, we we literally I spend more time with them than I do my family. That's for sure. Or all, all my friends. So, um, at the end, you got to make it kind of your paddock. You know, that's your friends in the paddock. So, obviously, you have rivalry and people you don't like, but that's like everywhere in the world, isn't it? So, at the end, it's um. There's nothing that special behind it. Like, obviously, there's rivalries. You've got friendships, but it's nothing nothing that's out of dramatic, obviously. Um, yeah, like you said, the Aussie boys. Yeah, I speak a little bit with uh, Jack. And, um, yeah, no, he's a top bloke. I love Jack. He's uh, he's good for the, the Aussie scene as well. And, and he obviously is a legend. So um, he's super easy to deal with. And, yeah, always open for a chat as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll see this next year with other Aussies in there. We... Um Another thing that we we speak about a lot is the the length of the season. Do you think it's do you think it's too long? Too many races? Do you think the travel is just too much for the for the for the riders? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, yes and no. I love it, so I don't mind it. I I prefer traveling outside of Europe. I like uh, going to the other countries and and racing in another country, but. Yeah, like, I mean, even with the calendar next year, I think we have, like, a three-week break in the middle. So it's pretty hard for, like, more, like, you feel sorry for your mechanics and your crew chief and stuff like that because they're just never getting a break. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and a lot of them, like, work, like, some of my crew chief this last year in 23, um, he worked in two championships, the Junior World Championship and the World Championship. So I think he had, like, all up, like, two weeks off in the middle of the year. All up. Every other weekend was out of home. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, well, I know, like, even a couple crew chiefs and stuff like that don't have a house. They just live in a hotel because they're in a hotel for three, four days and go to another race. So it's, why rent a place, you know? So yeah, I can see why it's hard for, like, a family um, aspect of things. And obviously, okay, we got the two months off now, uh, but we don't really because you got to start getting into it by late January. And we already have testing, wind tunnel and all that by, by what, mid-February. So it's, yeah, it's long, but... I mean, I love it. I love it. I don't mind it. I'm just happy to be in the paddock, honestly, and traveling around the world. Like I said before, when I was a kid, I dreamt about being here, so I'm not going to complain about how how long the season is now. Obviously, it gets tiring when you're injured and stuff like that, but you got to remember you, you're doing one of the best jobs in the world. You're, you're racing a motorbike, and if that's what you love doing, that's what you love doing. Man, I love that. That's such a good response. Because, yeah, best way to look at it, because... And there, w- there would be some arrogant kids out there in that paddock that would be not have your thoughts on that. So I love, love to hear that. Um, who, who in the paddock do you think in the Moto Three paddock? Who's, who's the most aggressive rider that you've come across? Um, well, probably my teammate, honestly, this next year or this year. So, which is good, which is not, not a bad thing, honestly, because well, I need to learn how to toughen up a bit. So. I think uh, with him in the box, it would just be good. I can uh, absorb off him and then it'll be good. We can put that into the racing. Like, I think even if I can take 20% of his aggression, I'll be sweet. So um, probably him, but Moto3 is crazy. You know how it is. That's why everyone loves it and watches Moto3. I mean, it's, it's hectic how it is. And, and, you know, when people go, oh, you're not aggressive enough, I'm like, Man, I don't think you understand how aggressive it is. Like if, if I came to any other race in the world, I would be like, known as the most aggressive rider in the yeah. world. Yeah, you know I mean, like as in, it's only in Moto3. Yeah, exactly. It only looks like in the Moto3 you get undershadowed, like, oh, you're not aggressive enough. Like, 
mean, a lot of people say that, but you come like if I came back and raced here, I'd just be, you know, I'd, they'd probably stop me from racing. You know, it's that aggressive. Like that's how they are in the Moto Three, and you just got to get used to it, and that's why I am. But I was speaking with a mate the other day, and like the thing is, is I didn't have much time to learn because I've, I've like unfortunately to touch on it again, I I've had so many injuries that I've missed so much of it. You know what I mean? Like I probably only spent all up maybe like eight races, to, eight to ten races, which is literally half the time World Championship. That would be what, 40 races now or something like that? So, like, at least ten races is the only time they'll probably be fit. Ten, ten races out of all 40 or whatever races I did, you know what I mean? Because, like, I wasn't bad injured, so I'm not going to say I'm bad injured, but I was enough that I couldn't race how I want to race, you know what I mean? So, first, I wasn't being as aggressive. Second, like, you're not the same when you're a little bit injured, you know, and you only learn from being aggressive. You know what I mean? So if I was only aggressive for 10 races in my 40 race career in world championship, it's hard. I've only learned from 10 races. You know what I mean? Because of injuries. So their plan this next year, well, this year is just to, yeah, fight for the podium and not get injured, I guess. That's all you can do. But in the motorcycle world, you never know. And you can't think of it. You just got to, yeah, keep giving it a crack. And that's why they've been, just been resilient. Every time I got injured, got back better and, yeah, like I said, do a good end to the year. Now I'm going to start the year strong and, and continue like that, that's for sure. Yeah, that's unreal. We love to hear that mindset. Like, it's crazy. It's probably a great point. And I must admit, I probably don't look at it that way where, yes, everyone in that paddock is aggressive. But like you said, you're just getting sort of um, not outperformed, but people are showing it more often than not. So that's a funny point you make about get, almost getting kicked out of somewhere else. So, so just on that aggression... And I'm sure you've probably been asked this by multiple people, but what are your thoughts on how Leopard conducted themselves in Qatar and that whole situation in, in terms of the championship, if you can touch on that? Like, I mean, from the outsider's point of view, I'm not going to lie, I kind of enjoyed watching that fold, unfold how it did. But from a rider's perspective, you were there, you seen it unfold and obviously in the thick of it post, like what was it all about? Yeah, it's difficult to touch on. I mean, I, I mean, I don't care about saying anything, but it's hard to say something about it because it's like what happened is is crazy and uh, not the best way to do it. But at the same time, I couldn't tell you that I wouldn't if I was fighting for a world championship where you know the payday is unreal, sets up your family for the rest of your life, kind of thing. Because it does, like for you know, especially like um. Yeah, you know, the money he would get for for winning the championship and buy a couple of houses in Spain, yeah, you know, like you'd be you'd be good enough to be able to live comfortably, you know, or at least you know set up your family a little bit more. And you know, we invest all so much like as in the inter racing. That's the thing, like especially for me, I like, come from Australia a lot, but so do every kid. Every kid does that. You know? Every kid invests a lot. Not just me coming from Australia. Everyone has to commit fully. So you, you're thinking on so much money just to win one championship that you got to bend the rules a little bit and play the team role kind of thing. But you see in F1, they play like team roles, you know, there like as in it, it, it happens everywhere. It cares a little bit dirty how it happens, but that's the only way you can really do it on a motorbike. Like in a car, you could just slow down in the middle of the corner. On a motorbike, you can't really do that, you know what I mean? So the only way to do it is pass him aggressive and push him wide. And that's, that's what they did. But... Yeah, I mean, for me, on my side, obviously, I'm in the KDM family and I wanted, obviously, the KDM family to come out on top. Um, and and Suzaki's a really good 
kid and and I think that he really did deserve it. But at the same time, Massey did an incredible season. And let's be honest, he uh, Suzaki didn't win a, a race and if he did, he probably would have got the championship. So it's it's a hard thing to say. But then, yeah, it was horrible what happened, but at, at this is racing. And, and I couldn't say... I could, wouldn't do the same for the thing that's on the line, which is a world championship. I mean, everyone dreams to be a world champion, so you're not going to take that lightly. Um, and and I think really it was just a tactical play and it was good from, from Leopard what they did on their side for that aspect of winning a world championship. That's that's how you're going to win a world championship because really without without the help, for sure, for sure, the championship at least would have went to Valencia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, for certain, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, even Suzaki had the the pace to be there yeah, fighting and, and you never know what would have happened, but for sure it would have went to Valencia and then there would have been a fight to the, to the end, which probably would have been the best way to do it. But then they wanted to get it wrapped up then and there. And, and that was the only way that they could make it happen. Yeah. It's interesting. We have talk about money and I think we, the viewers do lose that aspect when they're watching motorsport, they don't realize that these guys, it's their nine to five job and they've got families that have, sacrificed so much throughout their lives and and speaking to Damien Cuddle and Christopher Mule and all these guys were it's it's a very important thing and obviously it is in anyone's life so interesting what you said about that 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 these guys are racing for their not only for their futures to go up to Moto2 and MotoGP they're racing so they can support their family and continue in this so you don't know when your last race is going to be so it's crazy when you think about that so Looking into this season, you're 100% fit. There's no uh, no injuries, so we're going to get into testing uh, in, is it February testing? Yeah, yeah mid-February, mid-February. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm fully fit. I'm so happy. Like I've just been running around a couple of mates like at the athletic fields or, or just going for a run along the beach. And it's just incredible because I haven't been able to do that for two years now. You know, I, I couldn't run because I had broken legs three times in the last couple of years. So it just has been horrible. But it's so good to just be fully fit, be able to walk around without that discomfort. Because, surprise or not, like you walk around in discomfort the whole time, you know, you're, you're, the whole time. It's so so annoying. You do anything, you go to the cold places, it gets worse because obviously it starts to seize up a bit. So it was good getting the surgery, and I got it in Queensland um, by the doctor there, and um, them boys always hooked me up. They did a really good job. They gave me the arm pump surgery uh, the start of last year, and then. Yeah, obviously, like now the surgery, the foot went perfect as well. And yeah, I'm really, really happy. And I'm keen to get out there and show what I can do when I'm fully, fully fit completely now. And, and I think they'll see another side of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. I think, and we're so excited for that. Is 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 the goal Moto2 for 2025? Or are you wanting to submit yourself in Moto3 for a while? The goal is to win races and win races in that first seven eight races and then continue winning races and then see if we can fight for that championship obviously it's a long shot of championship but the first goal is win win many races and then we see where we end up because normally if you win the races that puts you in a good good position in the championship and then and then we'll see where the future brings you know like i mean I, i'm happy either way staying in the in the paddock um obviously my goal is to get to mo gp but also, I want to win a Moto3 World Championship before before step up. I want to be the best I can be in, in one class before step up. And But we'll see what, what happens because, like I said, money is another thing on the other side of it and, and you need to look at that aspect of life as well. So, it's uh, yeah, we'll see when we cross that bridge when it comes to it, I guess. 
Yeah, love it, man. Um, now we've got some uh, we've got some fan questions for you that we posted on Instagram during the week. The first one we we want to touch on, uh, and a lot of people have asked us about, is that you're um, actually Dan. You can go through the first question. Yeah, this probably <coughs> fits my bill a little bit, being the uh, the gear geek. So, uh, do you have any like? Are your suits customized? Are your boots customized? Gloves, helmet, all that kind of stuff. And if you can touch on it, Adam asked why the swap from Foo Sports to Alps for your boots. Yeah, all the um, equipment of ours is custom, and uh, yeah, it's great. I love it. Like, I mean, um, always, I dreamt of being like in a you know a top brand leather suit and and stuff like that because that's what you dream of as a kid. You know, you, you see all like Marquez and all that. Oh, geez, love to wear that suit. And then you get there and it's awesome because like the the quality of the suit, the custom that fits you perfect is so 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 nice and. And the safety these days are getting so good on all the products. It's it's incredible. Like now with the airbag systems, like barely people break their collarbones now because of it. Like it's, it's incredible the way that the future is going. Now MotoGP even have a airbag that go down to like the just above their kneecaps. Um, and I presume they'll go to Moto3 soon. And, and then we'll see what the future holds. It'll probably go down all the way to, to his toe by the end of it, I reckon. So, so um, yeah, that'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, so... On that, so we can't touch on the Foo Sport swap. No, no, no. no, no that's right, that's right, that's right. So, can we talk? Are you with Alps again this year? Uh, at the moment, at the moment, I'm waiting to do the contract. Still, uh, everyone was off over Christmas and New Year's, and since we got the ride done late, it was everything had run a bit late. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm. I think I'm proud to say that I'll stay with Alps in at least boots and gloves, and then for the leathers, it's uh, unconfirmed exactly where we are going to be now. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be in the Alps, uh, in the leathers this, this next, this year, but yeah, I'm going to stay in the family. I love, I love Alpine style, the way that they treated me and, and bring me in after the injury and then, yeah, picked me up in the middle of the season. I think is a really, really show of character from them because for them, you know, the, picking another rider up in the middle of the season isn't the best for their marketing kind of thing. Yeah, it's a tough thing, but I'll tell you what, they bloody do it right and they're great at what they do alpine stars like they're at the top of the game for a reason i think they had a champion they had everyone this year in in the gp paddock at least for for champions so i mean yeah definitely a great brand to be a part of so that's dope uh mr mansfield asks what is your favorite corner on the calendar oh corner on the calendar um well i would have to start off with saying philip island like as in one of the corners there would probably be I love turn one. It's just it's cool. Like on the motor three, you go down one gear and then back to almost cap, you know? Yeah. Um and that's pretty cool. There all, all the all the last corner is also cool. Um, where else is pretty cool. I love also turn two, that big sweeper, you know, around there. But I I love Philippine in general. It just suits my style. I mean, like I said, obviously the podium in the wet, okay, but also in the dry I got a front row. I was inside that. I was in that side of the top five the whole free practice. Um, I think it was heaps awesome in the practice sessions. And um, other than that, would probably be Portimao. Yeah. It would be. I don't know what corner about the track. It's just that track in general, and the reason for it is just for the the undulations, but also just the way that the corners work and they flow and and it's bumpy, but it's not uncontrollable bumpy you know it's like a nice bumpiness and um it just puts you on the edge of the seat it's nice i like it 
That's cool. I wouldn't have picked um I wouldn't have picked that. That's um it makes a lot of sense though, and especially coming over the roller coaster and, and all that kind of stuff. Actually, do you guys get airtime on a if you push hard enough, could you get airtime on your bike? Nah, no, nah, I don't think so. You could definitely like lift off like what the MotoGP boys do and stuff like that, but it'd be pretty hard. You wouldn't be able to because it comes from like a tight corner, you know, the first gear corner. And so you don't have the momentum. Of course, if you had momentum, you could definitely get air. I think that'd be pretty cool if they added that to a track. That would be pretty sick. That would be sick. Um, so, again, apart from Australia, I guess it ties in. What's your favourite track? I would assume it's, it's Portimao. I would assume yeah. after what you've just said. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Third favourite? Third favourite. Um, I do like a lot. Mm, for fun, it's probably like Argentina is a nice track. I like Argentina. Um, Masano, I've always liked. It's where I f- it was probably the, that was the first track I ever raced raced on in internationally, like outside of Europe, outside of Australia. So I'd probably say Masano, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Like, luckily enough, I moved across there with um, my best mate that now comes traveling around the world with me. And well, he's the one that started this as well. We all went over together. So he came over and, and we went from there and we built a team over there and rode bikes over there. And yeah, I was just a kid living a dream, really. So it was good fun. I love it. Yeah. Um, this is a good one. Uh, Joshua McLean asked, when are you going 1v1 in a supermoto race? Oh, to be honest, with you, I'm actually not that good at supermoto. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I think it's the small, like the smaller you are, the supermoto is the harder because you have so much chatter. You can't put enough weight on the front. Yeah. So it's quite difficult. I do a lot. Of, I'm starting a little bit of supermoto now when I'm riding with all the the boys over there. With um, now I got a new trainer over there and doing some training with them and and they ride a bit of supermoto. So we'll see. Maybe by the end of the year, I'll be ready to do a one v one. So keep waiting, Josh. He'll uh, he'll hit you up when he's ready to go. That's smart. I respect that. I <laughs> I get that fully. Um, this is a good one as well. And I actually had this thought too after your podium. Where was the shoey? Mate, the shoey, the only thing I was thinking about is getting back to that heater, cracking a beer, and that's about it. You know? <laughs> I was I was so cold. Like like I said with the photo I got with you guys, and that was when I was dry. Imagine like it was so wet and cold. I remember came in, the first thing I said to me, I need your gloves, like McClellan gloves. That's why we all had gloves on up there. Because it was my idea. I was like, nah, give me the gloves. And then I seen Suzaku straight. I'm like, oh, put some gloves on. Oh, yeah, I'll get some gloves. And, and it all just started. We all just had gloves in then because it was so, so cold. But I promise I'll do a show you this, this year. There you go. We'll be uh, we'll hoping for, well, yeah, we'll be hoping for plenty of them. So, but uh, that's, I just assumed when I seen the gloves, I just thought you guys were like, the, they just hand them to you already like to not let the trophy slip or something silly like that that was just my thought so so there you go a bit of inside knowledge no, no, black gloves, like, and then from, yeah from, from mechanics, mechanics yeah oh that's so good man <laughs> that is unreal um are you going down to oakley to ride the ovales while you're down here oh, i want to i want to like with the surgery i couldn't and then uh i got it i'm heading to to adelaide in mount gambia in um in this Tuesday, so I can't. I miss this one. I'm gonna try to make it back for the next next Tuesday. Um, I will. I really, really hope I can. I'm gonna be down in 
Bendigo with the Elliot Brothers, one of my sponsors, doing a bit of training down there. But I'm I'm gonna yeah, I, I'm gonna try to make it happen that I'll come back and be able to ride in the Arvo because yeah, I love I love riding the Ovales at the Oakley track. I mean it's so fun and well, I got a light record there, but I've got to move the goalpost a little bit, make it yeah. I presume otherwise the time I get back there I'm gonna I'm gonna have to beat it again because someone else is gonna beat it. So uh yeah. Gotta gotta give the things to work for, don't we? We need to wait for a nice hot day. It's nice to put the slicks on and uh, get the time down. Yeah, well, um, that is in the works at the moment from all reports. So we might have to uh, might have to all do it together. Show you my skills. Uh, uh, this is from a friend of the podcast, Ben Dannerman84, who's a big MotoGP fan. He wants to know what's the powerful, most powerful bike you've ridden around Phillip Island? Uh, around Phillip Island would just be the... Um, the uh, Moto Three for sure. Um, I rode a super bike though in the Bend, the new track in the Bend. When I rode in the ASBK, uh, so that was that was incredible. I love the super bike; it was so good. Just the amount of power, spinning it up, and I actually enjoyed it because I, I hate spinning the bike on the Moto Three. I think it's so agile. But then I ride like six hundred or a super bike. Like I ride six hundred a bit over there for training. I love spinning up. Like, I, I don't know, it's good fun. Like we go to Aragon track in the karting track there and there's one corner around the back and and i'll just have it uh, like have it tapped and it's like my first down of 600 but if you crash like you're gonna destroy the bike yeah you know, like fences are close there's a go-kart track and i have it tapped and it's just spinning 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 and then like the limiter to like grip back up and then i break you know and my my mate that rides 600 all the time he's like bro you, you're gonna crash all that i'm like but how you can't really crash if i'm if i'm going full gas and it hits limiter it's just gonna come back to grip you know so it's just, I love that sister. I love the spinning. Cause I hate on the Moto 3, but then for some reason on the 600 and the Super Bike, I, I just flowed with it really. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's strange, but I know. Because normally I hate it, but I got on there and spinning up and I didn't really even know. So I was spinning and then I was like, oh, I'm having fun. I'm leaving like black lines everywhere. So I'm like, oh, this is sick. And I'm like trying even harder to spin it, spin it, spin it. And I had a couple moments and I'm like, I wasn't too bad. Like the moments you can catch them because they're production bikes. So it's a lot like um more like knowledge that's going to happen like it tells you before it's going to happen the motor three you don't have that the motor three you you crash pretty much straight away unless you're like really lucky and you catch it but because so agile they're gp bikes so they're agile but the yeah the 600 since their production they tell you before and so once i had a couple moments i thought this isn't too bad i can push a limit at least you know it's not going to crash straight away yeah and then I just got worse and worse and worse. And by the end of the day, I had destroyed tires. I better pack it in. Otherwise, I'm probably gonna probably gonna send it to the moon here and play, bring my mage's bike back, all destroyed. And you know, it wasn't even my bike, so I was like, I better pack it in. <laughs> um, we have another question. So Joel Kelso, world champion in Moto Three this year, we're calling it. Uh, who's gonna win the championship, Moto Two and Moto GP? Well, I bloody hope that I win the Moto Three championship. That is definitely the goal, and that's that's what we're going to work for, for sure. Like I said, we're fully fit, so we're going to give it a crack, for sure. Um, Moto2, I think was that, uh, I think maybe Tony Abellino. He has a really, really strong chance at it. Who is there now? I'm, I need to ask, get this, ask this question straight after the first race when I know which riders are in the Moto2. Um no, nah, but I think, uh, yeah, I think Tony Arbolino is definitely going to be a strong one for sure. And now I'm definitely missing riders because I've just gone blank. So I'm just going to say Tony Arbolino and then Fermin, definitely. Fermin can definitely be a title contender. I think if Alonso sorts out his issues that he had at the end of 
this year, I think he also can because he's um he he was a consistent rider and and well I I think you remember when he did uh Philip on the when he did the double long lap and still won by like yeah and still won with like a couple of seconds so he's definitely got the talent like for him in also but both of them together is going to be good because they're both pushing each other as well so it's best of both worlds I think also speed up will work really good with the new tires the Pirellis because there is so much more corner speed in them and the speed up be really good for that. So that, and then in MotoGP, I, I have to say, I think Marquez, um, <clears throat> like, like him or not, like him or not, I, I mean, I love the guy, he's a good bloke, and, and he, is, he is, like, setting the new goal for everyone, and even though everyone will go, oh, well, he actually hasn't for the last couple of years, but, I mean, no offence, I, I mean, I know Mia, I do some training with Mia, and, and he's probably one of the most talented riders I've ever seen, and he can't get that bike, you know anywhere near that podium and Marquez still is touching the podium when he can on that bike you know what I mean it shows the difference and when he rode that Ducati at the test I mean I sat there I actually went to the gym with the the phone and everything watching the test it's just so interesting I wanted to see how he goes and um he was just so so fast but without risking anything like he literally looked like he was riding around you know having his breakfast you know having a coffee like he didn't even look like he was pushing compared to what he is like on the Honda yeah, and he still almost went top, and he went way faster than when he went on the Honda. He was first time on the bike. He's been riding another brand for many, well, ever since he got to MotoGP, obviously, and I think he'll just be super, super strong. Um, I hope that Jack has a really good year. I hope now with the KDM. KDM are a really, really good brand as well. They're always, like, finding new ways. They're really good at developing, and, and they're really good to work with as well. And I think um, Jack, well, he showed in Valencia, Okay, um, he crashed, but he had to he had to have a crack, um, especially with all the issues he was having. He was having similar issues, you know, just fading in the race. But he had his own issues, you know. I, I think it was tire wear. I can't remember. I, I seen him say something about that. Um, but and everyone was so hard on him about it. But it's like we're out there doing our best. So it's not like he just purposely drops off, you know. Same with me with injury, you know. So um, I have to defend him in that aspect. I didn't really like seeing that because I think that he is actually a top bloke, and I think that he he has the potential. So. Um, like, I mean, he's shown he's got the potential for sure. Like, even in Moto3, MotoGP, what he did in, in Ducati. So now in the KDM, hopefully he can just flow with it. I think this is the first year as well in the KDM for him. So um, hopefully now with this, this second year in his belt, he can he can really perform. Like, I don't know if he'll be fight for the championship, but at least, yeah, be up there fighting and do good races and, and put the Aussie flag out there even more for us, I guess. Yeah, you know, we, we love him so much and I guess – we probably say, probably hang a little bit of shit on him at, at times as well. Like, I de- I'm definitely guilty of it. Like, you know, is it something in his riding style though that that causes that tire wear probably a little bit more than others, or is it just, you know, is he pushing too hard from the outset? Like, what what do you think it could be? No idea. I, I don't. I like. I don't really like to have an opinion on things if I don't. If I don't. Well, first if I haven't ridden the bike, you know. Yeah. So I can't say. You know, I, did one race weekend on the super bike as well and and the tire wear was incredible like it's another level i have no idea about tire wear when you're talking about a motor three to a super bike even you know when i rode the super bike it was incredible how different you felt the tire after four laps so i don't know there's like everyone has an opinion like that's fine but it's it's hard to say what what his issue is with the tire wear but he'll figure it out he's yeah like i say he's a good blow he's talented enough and and he'll, he'll put it to bed soon and it was like me. Everyone was asking questions about me. Yeah, you know, everyone was saying, "Yeah, you know, hanging shit about that I'm losing off." Even like, yeah, you know, 
Because people think, oh, yeah, like, fitness is now. It's not really fitness. Is that the leg, like, was going, like, numb or it would, like, bounce up and down my leg yeah. because the muscle wasn't working properly. But just little stuff like that. No one actually knows, but this guy he wasn't fit enough. Well, was, not sure I wasn't actually physically fit enough. Just the leg wasn't fit enough. Like, it, the leg couldn't sustain the effort for that long. So there's so much things behind the scenes. I don't, I don't really know. I have nothing to comment about Jack on, on that, but I think he'll deal with it. I think he'll fix it. And, and yeah, okay, I, for sure it's for one way or the other way. He does the riding style, whatever, for sure, because other riders don't have that issue. But at the same time, the first year on the KDM, he had, you know, set some settings also change, obviously, tie wear, as you would know. So maybe his setting is just more hard on tie wear. And you never know, with a new bike next year, it could be different again. You know, also, MotoGP are changing bikes during the season. So you got to remember that as well. So, you know, maybe next year or this year, sorry, um, it'll just click with his bike, you know, his setting. And then the tie wear goes away. Like, that's just how fast things can change yeah. in the MotoGP paddock. Yeah, 100%. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, we've seen it with Dejia as well, right? Like, he finally got the settings he wanted and those little, little things that, Supposedly he wasn't given, and and it changed his season. The last six races, he was one of the top point scorers in in that back half of the year. So it's a great point. I think a lot of people still forget that it is Jack's first year on that KDM. So I think yeah, he's and he's a lot smarter than what people give him credit for. He almost got paid in the first race. Yeah, that's right. And even in Jerez, him Binder and Peko fighting it out. Like it's crazy. People like he said before, people are really quick to forget after a couple races. So. All sorts and also, yeah, obviously fighting for a podium. I, I, he got a couple of podiums, didn't he, this year in the yeah, sprint races? Sprints, yeah. It doesn't matter, it's still a race, you know. Okay, maybe it wasn't a long distance race, but first year on KDM and getting podiums. Okay, they expect more from him because he's been there many years, but then, yeah, different bike, different things. So it's, yeah, it's an hard playing field at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're 100% right. And, you know, as we touch on, we love him. So we can, you know, we're going to be rooting for him and, and hopefully he's back up there and. Like you said, we see that Australian flag more prevalent in um, in all forms of racing this year because, as uh, Tom touched on a bit earlier, there are, are a few more around with Jacob Rulstone coming into Moto3 and, and Senna Adris going into Moto2 as well. So, fingers crossed, there's, um, you know, that flag's flying pretty much every weekend for us. So, it'll be um, it'll be interesting once it once it comes through. Uh, and just touching on those guys, like, what are, what are your thoughts on the pathway now going into racing overseas and and stuff like that from where you came from to what the younger kids have access to now, tech, um, different coaching, different sort of um, learning pathways, the Ovalis, uh, Oceana Junior Cup. What, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, definitely. There's like so much more opportunity now. Um, it's still always going to be so difficult to race in World Championship. There's, you know, there's not many of us that make it to the top step. So to even make it there, like uh, Jacob and, and Sana now coming up, it, it's incredible that they even made it there. So uh, then it doesn't matter, you know, if there's more easier pathways or not, it's it's still a mission to get to where, to even get in the paddock. But, um, yeah, no, it's awesome. Like now even with uh, my mate Wayne, Wayne Maxwell, um, doing the Ovales, that's awesome for the kids. He's great, oh, of course, and he has a lot of knowledge as well. Um, and I think that will be awesome for the kids. I think that'll probably be the biggest thing. Um, obviously, with the Ocean Junior Rookie Cup uh, here in 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 ASPK is good. Um, and yeah, now the pathway is getting bigger as well because there's more of us. Like even when I did it, then 
all of a sudden there was more of us are going over there. You know, when I went over there, um, there was only currently one and that was Billy, Billy at the time. So, uh, yeah, it, that's cool to see. You know what I mean? Like as in you, now there's more of a pathway cause there's all of us that just went through it. So now there's going to be even more rookies going there. You know what I mean? So it's, it makes it easier, but it's still, yeah, so difficult to make it. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, it's always gonna be though because that's the way the sport is. You know, it's like anything though. It's like footy. You know, no matter if you had in the best facilities in the world, you still got to play the best in the world. You still got to beat the best in the world to make it to where, you know, you're the best. So no matter how much facility, you know, money or or whatever you have, it doesn't make it um, any more easy. You kind of just okay, it might make things a little bit more pleasant, but yeah. then it's still the same path where you got to go. I think this country, we do an amazing job for our population, like in the world of sport. I mean, yeah. it is amazing where we can travel, even the cricket. You know, we're probably the best team in the world. We've got probably how many world champions? OGP world OGP champions? Or, yeah. Yeah. We do an amazing job, and 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 it's the the young kids are just the pathways need to be better, and they need to be the best they can because to get to to get to did you go to Europe when you were when you first started riding? Like, how did you how did you go about that? Yeah, well, first touch on there the yeah the facilities are great here. I think the biggest issue in in my opinion is that we can't ride enough here in Oz. You know, you can ride flat track and motocross every day because that's the primary sport in Australia. But they don't, you know, like, since road racing is not massive here in Australia anymore, they don't give you the possibility to ride it so much on the track, which is which is where we're stuck. And that's where it's uh, is a problem because over there you can ride, if I want, I can go to a track every weekend or not even every weekend, literally every day. Probably the only day it's closed is probably on Monday. You know, Monday might be closed, you know. So you could you can ride anywhere. Um, of course, but, yeah. like, the weather is... is incredible but also it rains and you can still go to the track here like if it rains they normally don't let you ride it's strange it's like come on you, you gotta ride in all conditions you know yeah. so um that's the first thing and then yeah well the other thing that you were touching on is like obviously my pathway there was yeah. i started the flat track yeah. and and dirt track and then I, I went to road racing that was because uh like i said paul Fenny from house final was was helping me i was massive support and was was incredible to me and to me and my family and um anyways the things that turned out wasn't the easiest pathways because yeah that one thing led to another that we we went to road racing and then we were going to stop and then my best friend jake jumped on board and, and took over and um it was like my father figure but also running my team uh well sorry his team but i was riding for him and um and that made everything possible and my mum was just uh up in darwin working with my nan and my sister and they always stayed up in darwin and they all committed to, to well, happy not to see me for, you know, 10 months a year, which is a big commitment for, for my mom and my sister and my nan, you know, like to let me just go and, and go away and literally just, yeah, live my dream at 15 years old. Like, okay, I was living with a mate, um, but I was still 15 years old, you know. So, and I think at 16, I was living a complete, uh, about late 16, maybe early 17, I think late 16, I was, I was already living alone, like in my own house and, and all sorts. So, like it's incredible, yeah. It's, it really is, and and that's the the pathway. Like my pathway, I didn't want to deep too much into it because it's so long. But to yeah. make it in a short 
skiing, it was it's really incredible to to know my pathway. And I look back on it sometimes. Okay, that was that was incredible. And when I tell people, they they're amazed by it because it's the way it worked out is not how I planned it to. It's just how the things fell into place. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean, obviously, I didn't plan to move over by myself. I would have loved to move over with the family and all all sorts, but the way that things turned out, I couldn't. So um, yeah, it's, it's incredible my story with it. But and then it's also made me who I am today, and I think that will that will really show. Um, when, the, well, like example, it did, I think it showed this year when the time got like, like gritty and it was hard, a really, really hard year for me. It was really, um, mentally hard as well. Like, as in, I got a lot, a lot of backlash about all this, uh, like the results in the races and stuff like that. Cause I was getting front rows. Uh, you know, if I wasn't getting front rows, no one would say anything. Yeah. He's, oh, he's giving his best shot. But since I had potential for one lap, then the people would just, yeah, say, uh, whatever they make up stories. And and that was really hard for me mentally because it was like the first time that I've ever had like really bad criticism for a long period of time. I'm going through injury. I'm obviously, I'm more hard on myself than anyone else could be. So, and that's probably one bad thing. Like I'm, I'm too hard on myself. So I was already hard on myself getting then told by other people, you know, negative things about me. First time I don't have a ride, you know, everything was, it was big money factor why we couldn't continue in the paddock next year. Uh, so this year, and finally, okay, everything fell into place. But like, it was everything at one time, and it was super, super difficult. And I think the reason why I managed to find, you know, lighted at the end of the tunnel, where I get in the podium, the top tens, and all that, was just because the way that I grew up and how I got to where I was. I wasn't just gonna pack it all in and let all of this get to me after you know spending five years, you know, eating noodles to pay for to race. You know, like I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I sat, me and my family, my, especially my family, really, me, I just had to ride the bike and be completely honest and tell the stories now yeah. because the family is the one that suffered the most. You know, they, they, my mum had to work so much to, to get me racing. So I wasn't going to give that in and I'm not going to let, you know, me be upset and, and too hard on myself and mentally destroyed ruin my career. Mm-hmm. So I had to let that, you know, kick in and say, come on, take it back and let's just go racing, you know, and, how we were back in the day, just race bikes and enjoy it and try to win the race and be the best that you can be and, and yeah, be the fastest kid out there. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's anyway, so the point is, is from the hard times and that's why it's also good from, from Australia going over to Europe is because I think it makes you better in not only life, but when things get hard, you know, you can always see the lighter than the tunnel. And that's why I think Jack will, will turn things around because he's, He's had similar, like it's a very hard, very hard um, pathway to world championship. So he, well, now the times are hard and I'm sure he'll find his way out of it. Man, your attitude's amazing. It really is. Yeah. Like that was, that was, it's so cool to hear that. And, and I, and I love, and we'll, we'll, we'll do this again. We'll go in more in depth with your story, obviously, but yeah, we'll, we love to hear that kind of stuff. And the sacrifice is not only yourself, you made, your, your family made and, and um, it's just really touching to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a question for you. Why sixty six? No reason. I, yeah. I had I had number six when I was in um in flat track and dirt track, and then I couldn't have six anymore because someone else had six. So I put six to six. Yeah, double it. Yeah. yeah cool. So there's nothing really special. I thought I wish I could tell you. I should make up a story, shouldn't I? It's yeah. Just, uh, I caught like six crocodiles saying to start start run with start to run with that story saying that I'm sure the Europeans will believe it. So hundred percent that. 
Yeah, it's, it's like, see that scar? Yeah, that's from yeah, a crocodile yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One. yeah. <laughs> one of them just got me at the end. <laughs> oh. oh, man, that's so good. That is so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, that, geez, that's pretty much it for me, man. Like yeah. like Tom said, we definitely got to catch up again and, and dive back into it and maybe do like a mid-season thing next time you're back down here or just before the island. So, we'll have uh, trouble. Yeah, we're we're happy to travel. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell James, you know. Like, and for those wondering, we've kicked him off the pod. Yeah. We've had enough of him. So it's just Tom and I from here on in. We're cutting costs. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think um yeah definitely we'll try to catch up and and deep into it and well hopefully I can yeah bring good news in yeah. the time the next time we speak and hopefully the results are incredible and um yeah and then we'll try to catch up like I said speaking before it's like yeah we'll see if we can do something in yeah. in phillip island weekend something like that that'd be pretty cool get a good location yeah definitely a good location oh whatever we'll do it on the beach if we had to yeah i reckon rosa will hit her up no 100 percent. get them get a couple of waiters happening yeah. a couple of bottles of vino it's all good um did you want to shout out any of your sponsors, mate, or plug your your channels, your web page, and all that? Feel free. We're gonna we'll clip it in all here for you as well. Yeah, well, I don't want to list off all the sponsors. I don't want to hold you forever, but because uh, I have some amazing supporters, and and and, but not even not even that. There's so many people behind the scenes that uh, help with that we don't even want to mention. So I can just say thank you to all my sponsors that made it possible and that are making it possible. I go racing this year because uh, yeah. We are, we are definitely raising this year for them. So that's another thing. Like, there's, you have the sacrifice from your sponsors as well, you know. Um, and they take a massive commitment for me, you know, to race this year. So um, oh, I really hope to make them proud and, and everyone proud. So, yeah, I just can't thank them enough. And obviously, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, all I can say is follow me, obviously, on all the socials. And, um, yeah, we'll catch up at the OzGP. Uh, where do we find your merch? Because your merch is really cool. We really like it. Yeah. So, uh, jump online. You you put the link on you, um, yeah. and then yeah, get yeah. you get get yourself some merch and um, yeah, hope to see everyone wearing the merch at the Philippines. It did really really well at Philippines. So I was really happy to see. Yeah. It was just cool to see like little kids as well with the merch on. Yeah. And uh, can I have this autograph of it? And it's awesome to sign an autograph for something that is actually your image. You know, so I love that. And that was that was special about the Philippines because it was the first time we could do it. The only thing where the people kept kind of, oh, I think your merchandise isn't here. I'm like. I was pretty sure it's there. Anyways, I went and checked and I snuck over there and checked. And it was completely sold out. So which is yeah, which is awesome. It's unbelievable. So and and they obviously weren't expecting that many people to buy it. So there wasn't as enough stock. So uh don't worry, I've G'd them up for next year to make sure that they're, they're all ready to have enough stock for his all. I love it. We might have to do a uh a sneaky Republica Cross Kelso collaboration, you know? Get it get it happening. Uh, it's absolutely unreal. Joel you are a legend. Thank you so much for your patience. We are. We won't. <laughs> so this is take two. Technically, we had um, as always, it wouldn't be a motorsport Republican podcast without a a technical issue. So, um, and Lukey Luke would also be happy to know that we've updated our audio recording equipment. So Luke, I'll uh, we'll be in contact. We'll get you back on. We're updated, but um. But yeah, thank you so much, man. And uh, I believe Tom's got a couple of parting words as well. We've got a uh, little gift from us. So just a thank you from uh, from us for coming on. 
So we um, special thanks to um, Stacy from HJC for organising us uh, another helmet for one of our special guests. So so add that to the collection. Thank you, thank you so much. That's awesome. And, uh, I can hang out. I'll have to try to hook you up with a helmet. Appreciate that, boys. Appreciate. Hopefully, you can fit in the luggage on the on way back to uh to Spain, man. For sure, for sure. Thank you. Cool. All right. Beautiful. Joel, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for all your patience. <laughs> we'll see you next week, guys. Thank you.